what's up everybody you're watching on the town with tanya i'm your host thank you so much for coming back and joining us again this week we appreciate you don't forget to like share and subscribe um so this week uh we're talking about everyday challenges um we all have them right uh so um who who does not allow everyday challenges to get in their way of success there are many people uh, and today's guest is a contemporary romance novelist and a screenplay writer uh during her time in college this is according to her words sorry <laughs> during her time and give good credit uh during her time in college a professor refused to accommodate her hearing loss disability and failed her eight times in the course script writing but once she was able to get her accommodations met, she won her hearing with her university and continued onward to gain her degree. The professor made her feel that she would never accomplish her goals of being a credentialed published writer, uh, oh, excuse me, or that her stories would never see the opportunity to film, and who made her feel that her disability uh, put her into a box that he determined. But as you will see, he was dead wrong. Please welcome the lovely Cy Marie Johnson. Hi. Hi, Tony. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Good. Good, good, good. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you. Um, you know, um, I'll just go right into it. Um, you know, um, so you're writing. Um, I've seen quite a bit, some some of your work, and um, great writer you are, I will say. Uh, and I saw that you even did a piece. Um, there was something mentioned or, or you had to do a piece uh, in the New York Times uh, where someone interviewed you. Yes, I was interviewed last month. Um, that was an interesting incident, actually. I don't know if you've reviewed that or not, but that's been a, a pretty big thing in my industry lately. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, that's 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 big. That's very big. So that's awesome. Um, how did you... Um, you know, how did you get into writing? Because um, I see, you know, your background, you know, as we all, like I said before, we all have challenges, we all have things, hurdles, right? Um, but you had a lot of stuff um, happen and you just was like, I'm going to do this no matter what, you know, even the hearing loss, like, didn't you lose that later, right? Yes, it was right. not something that I initially had. I was actually not diagnosed. Uh, and when I was originally diagnosed, mm -hmm. it was after my thirties and I only had 80% loss. And then by the time I was 35, it was up to 90% which thankfully stayed. And I hope that it stays because the thought of more loss is just like, it's already hard enough, but yeah, it's been a hard Right. right. Well, that, well, I mean, how did, that must've really changed your whole trajectory just to, you know, someone to say, Oh, sorry, you're, you're, you have 90% loss of hearing. Like it wasn't expected. So that's the part, but, where did the the first inkling of writing come from? Like, was that before that? So actually with my writing history and I guess career as you, as you were, um, I had been writing stories for a long time since I was a kid. And when I was in my freshman year of high school, I was recommended for honors English, but a lot of people would have thought that, you know, that's a great, thing to say. I actually balked at it. And uh, the reason why was because at that time, I went to a school where most of the other students were privileged and I was not. My mother is a Native American and she is completely I mean, hearing impaired. And she decided 
I guess this is probably why I, I followed in her footsteps in a way, um, to break against the mold of what they were trying to put on her. And she went and became a psychologist. And oh, wow. but while my mom was doing that, we lived in, you know, like subsidized housing, low income housing. You know, she had to take advantage of the programs that she could so that she could make a better life for herself and, you know, provide more better life for her children. Right. So with wow. me, um, at the time that this was happening, I was not a very liked student and I was bullied a lot. And so I told my teacher directly, you know, I don't want to go into this class because I'll be in competition with students that I know were headed, their trajectories are headed for success in ways that I can't compete with. I don't want to compete with. And the reason why I write is for my own entertainment. Mm -hmm. And she told me that one day I would re regret that because out of the entire, I think it was like 2,700 students, and she was the main English teacher. Um, she said that I was one of the best writers that she had ever seen. Wow. And I, I thanked her and I was, you know, really appreciated it, but I just didn't think that um, I wanted to go deal with the competitiveness and the mean girl um, atmosphere that I would be dealing with by going into those classes with students that later did become the salutorian and valedictorian. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually ended up dropping out of school early and I got married and I had children, but I had always been writing and, you know, it's poetry and short stories and things like that. It's just something that I like to do. And one day, um, a friend of mine who I call my mentor now, um, he asked me what I was doing. And I said, I'm, you know, just, I write blogs and little short stories. It's nothing. And he's like, why don't you let me read it? And you know how most writers are before they've actually gotten, you know, the courage to let other people see their work. I was like, you know, okay. Um, and I let him read it and he turned around reading it for, I guess, maybe 10 minutes and he stopped reading and he looked at me and he goes, why are you doing this? And I was ready to, you know, be criticized, of course, like to hear the worst. And I said, well, I mean, I just, I like to do it. And he goes, no, no, I think you, I think you're taking the wrong tone with I, what I mean is, why are you doing this and not making money off of it? Because this is amazing. Right. And, you know, you're clearly incredibly talented and this could take you somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I, I said, well, you know, I don't have any kind of, I, I dropped out of high school. I, I later did go back and get my GED just to clarify on that. Um, but I, so by that point I did have that, but I, I, I was like, you know, I don't have any kind of college education. He goes, well, do you really think you need that? And I said, well, I mean, I know my writing is good enough, but there's so much about the business aspect and publishing and distribution and all of these things that I now know that I didn't have any idea about then. Um, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't very receptive to it. And he goes, well, why don't you do me a favor and get on my computer and why don't you look up schools for creative writing programs? And I was like, I don't think most of, you know, the writing programs are going to be for that. I think they're going to be journalistic. And I don't know if I want to do that, which now has also kind of changed. Um, that I was a young woman with young kids at that time, you know, so there was a different aspect of my life going on. And um, I, I humored him though. So I got on the computer and I Googled it in the first school that showed up was Full Sail University. And um, I have graduated from there twice. I have my master's from there. Oh, but that's... first time around, um, it was quite difficult. And that was when I was failed the eight times. And it was actually my last year of my bachelor's de degree program. And so I was so close to getting ready to graduate with my bachelor's degree. And I really was really excited. And 
I, I, you know, I had so many ideas on what I was going to do once I got this degree. Um, at the same time as being told this was the same year and at the same time that my hearing impairment was officially diagnosed and they were starting to fit me for hearing aids and all these things were happening. And I explained to the teacher when I went into the script writing class, you know, I'm trying to get my hearing aids now. I, they cost a lot of money, obviously. Um, I was a low income mom and I was trying to go through the process of getting them and he didn't seem very receptive. Um, and I, and the things I asked for weren't really hard either. I was just like asking for instruction that was written. So that way, if there was anything in the course that I didn't understand when he was lecturing, I could go through and read through and, you know, get a handling of how I was supposed to use the program and all the things that I would needed to, you know, look out for while I was using final draft, for example, and, um, what different, because I was really a great writer as far as creative writing coming up with great ideas and original ideas that are engaging and entertaining and educating and all that. But the execution of the format was what I was having problem with and shifting from writing and, and book writing and ad adapting my style to be able to fit a screenplay for film or series. It was really different because of the way that things have to be formatted for a camera to film. And exactly. I, as soon as I was able to get that instruction given to me on how to use the program and I implemented it and I started to figure out that these were the things and it was really just some minor things. It wasn't even anything huge. Right. I was able to start creating scripts in the proper format. And um, I learned how to do film synopsises and treatments and all of the other, you know, log lines and aspects that go into creating things for um, pitching and developing programming for people to watch. But up to that point, because I, I couldn't understand how to, you know, shift between transitions or scenes, like right. for example, at the beginning of a script, you know, you'll have like INT filmed interiorly exactly but I mean at first I was like what does all this mean because it, it's like a foreign text and it's it funny is. I actually did I'm Spanish bilingual um and before I started to lose my hearing I I've done you know translation for courtrooms and people at doctor's offices and important things but because I started to lose my ability to hear well I didn't want to risk um you know misinterpreting anything because I'm like I said courtrooms and medical offices, this is very pertinent information to people's lives. And I was, you know, put in a situation where it's like, well, how am I going to continue to make a living in a way that I can care for myself and my children? And my writing was that avenue. And so I mm -hmm. couldn't give it up. I had to keep fighting. Yes. Yeah. And it, because actually, yes. Um, now you have two special, um, uh, special needs children, correct? Yes. So that I makes have, it even more challenge. Yes, I actually have four children altogether, although two of them are adults now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, wow. and one of so them, I have, I'm 38 actually, and my oldest daughter is 21. And wow. then my oldest son that actually has the disease that you're referring to, They, I have two children because I'm a carrier of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And um, my two middle sons, the one is about to be 20 in June, is the oldest that has it. And he's completely wheelchair bound. He can only move three fingers on both of his hands. Um, and he had to have a steel rod put in his spine to help him to keep from having a curved spine due to 
you know, not being able to move. It's a really degenerative, horrible disease. It's um, not something I would wish on my worst enemy, but it's been something that's given me, you know, a lot of insight into life and what I do with my life. And uh, they were one of the main reasons why I pushed forward. And then my third child, he just turned 16. He also has disease. He's fortunate since we caught it a little bit earlier because his brother's older than him. As soon as he was diagnosed, they were like, well, this is often hereditary with boys. Um, so let's go ahead and check, you know, your younger son too. And he was two and a half years old at the time. And my oldest son was five. So he does have it too. He was po tested positive, but he has full mobility of both of his arms and his hands. Um, which is a fortunate thing in his situation, but yes, he's also wheelchair bound. My youngest son, he just turned 12 years old and he is the only one of my sons. And there's a 50, 50 chance every child, mm -hmm. if you're a carrier that you will manifest a child that is actually, you know, um, affected by it. But my son, the youngest one was fortunate not to inherit the disease. And he's the only one of my children that is male that can actually, um, continue to function normally, which was something that all of my kids, even I, you know, it was like, how do you explain that when they ask you, well, mommy, why do the two of us have it? And he doesn't have it. And it's just, it's just the genetic lottery. Um, I mean, there was no real thing that I could do to stop it. The one thing I will say, um, I wish they would have had, and now I actually advocate for it more and more is adding the Duchenne muscular dystrophy test to uh, prenatal testing like they do for PKU and things like that. Because mm -hmm. the more prepared that a mother is, and you know, a, a family is for knowing that they're going to have a child that has muscular dystrophy, the earlier you can start implementing um, ways to combat the muscle degeneration so that when your baby is little, you can start getting ready to implement extra protein and, you know, different types of, um, activity that keeps your child active and moving so that they because it's a wasting disease and so yes. you keep them more active then they're less likely to um you know have to experience loss of mobility like my son did but we didn't okay. catch it until he was five so it was you know oh that's hard yeah no, that's very hard but but you know um i think um maybe you were called to writing because that is the perfect profession to be in if you have to be home with your kids i think yeah. i mean i heard shonda rhimes say something like that she was like i sit at home in my pajamas you know and i was like yeah. wow that's the life i want right there <laughs> i mean Just, yeah there i'm definitely um the same there are times whenever my white rider uniform is a t-shirt and pair of fuzzy pants and it's comfortable but you know I, it's it, it was something that I was good at. And um, because of the situation with wanting to be with my children as much as I possibly could, it it just, it all worked out for me. And then Full Sail, especially with their program packaging and the way that they do online college, which a lot of people are doing it now, but at that are time- they, are, they good? are they good? Yes, they really are. Um, I was thinking they, about it, but they did a they did an amazing thing for me. The only bad experience I had was with that one professor. But then when I came to the table to explain my situation and show how hard I had fought, and I actually went to the Department of Education and got one of their Atlanta lawyers, um, Valerie Acoff. She was amazing. Thank you, Sam, wherever you are. <laughs> but yeah, she really helped me. And uh, she, she got things on 
where they needed to be. So I got my accommodation and then I just soared from there. And then even after that situation, um, like I said, Full Sail did really good by me. When I first went in to talk to them, my mm -hmm. son was 11 months old. And like I said, he's, he just turned 12. And I told them, this is my situation. I don't have, I didn't even have the, you know, application fee for the college at that time. But I went to the admissions counselor and I, I told her, I said, I'm a really good writer and I have had lots of people that have read other things I already have. Um, is there any kind of scholarship program or a waiver or any way that I can get in and what do I need to do or what could I, can I do in order to get a scholarship or, or something like that? And right. she said, well, can you write us an essay? And I asked her what the specifics needed to be and the word count. And she basically said, you know, it had to be like 2000 words. Um, and it could be anything that I wanted because I was interested in the creative writing program. So the objective was to see how quickly I could come up with something creative right. and how engaging it was. And the next day I had my story um, and it was a short story off of one of my concepts that's actually on the market now, the Tales of Tamira or the Tales mm -hmm. of Lisa, which is the, the Tamira legacy. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I got that backwards. <laughs> um okay. But anyway, and I gave it to her the next day and she read through it. And by that night, she called me and she said, well, I have good news for you. We have a waiver for you to get in and we're going to go ahead and let you get a seat in, you know, the next class starts this day. Do you think you, she asked me for some documentation and she said, do you think you get it to me by Friday of that next week? And it was like Monday night. Mm. And so I was like, um. You know what? Yes, I'm going to get it to you. And I, she's like, okay, if not, then we'll go ahead and we'll work on trying to get you in the next semester. And I wanted it then. I didn't, I wanted wow. to go like get awesome. started the faster I could do it. And so I walked all around my town with my baby in his stroller and I went to the local library and I faxed over the documentation and I went back home and I called her and I ensured that it, she had got it and it had been received. And she said, yes. And the next week they shipped me, um, my first MacBook pro computer. Wow. That's, that's the part I loved about them. I was like, wait a minute. They give you all yeah. the need. This is great. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was like, it was just amazing. It was, it was such a awesome experience. And when I opened that computer and first got it set up and she's like, when you get it set up, you know, you're going to have to log in here to start your launch box. And that was basically how I get into orientation to learn how to use the programs and everything. Wow. And I did that. And, um, and then I remember that the first lecture that we had was from Stephen King. Hmm. And I was like, this is like so different than what I, I was expecting, you know, like professors and all that. But the first thing they did was here you go. Let's let them have talk to somebody who is, you know, at the top of the game right. and let them, you know, hear what he has to say. And that was just like, Wow, That's this awesome. is really cool. And so it set the pace for me going, you know, this is really a different kind of school and I'm able to do and engage this with this online. It's not, you know, I have my baby over here. And I mean, there were times, yes, I had to get help because if I was engaged in something like a live, you know, lecture like we're doing now, couldn't have my baby crying in the background. But I mean, exactly. I I still was able to work around what I needed to and um, be there Very for my nice. kids. And so I... I really enjoyed what they did for me. And once we worked through that end program kind of issue, mm -hmm. I decided to return for my master's. So, I mean, I really did appreciate the college. That's awesome. And that's, that's, that they, I, as I would have had my master's by now if I would have did it. I just, you know, like 
decided i'll wait again uh so but uh, thank you for that for that um sharing that because now i'm like oh they are good i want somebody to personally give a testimony so thank you that's brilliant um where do, where do you get your where do you get your ideas from where do they originate from when you first start writing um you know what what goes on in your head <laughs> you know because you do romance novels <laughs> romance novels are something that um i just i feel like I found my way into it wasn't what I expected um, that the stories that I first started writing, like the softer side of Texas, for example, is one of my titles that I wrote while I was still in college, but I, it was my first um, opportunity to compete in NaNoWriMo, which is national novel writing month. And so that was the first full length novel that I wrote that was like over 50,000 words. And I did it in two weeks. And it was just because I got into this zone with the story when I sat down and they're like, you have to come up with a new story. And I was like, okay. And I sat there for a minute and the idea for this young woman kind of visual, like it just like visualized in my head. And so I tell people that my stories are kind of weird because, and this is probably why I've, I've transitioned a bit to screenplay writing now, because I see them like a movie in my head. Like I see the character and the scene and I see it playing out. And then I just write in detail what I see in here to, you know, the page. And and this is what I'm seeing going on and the sequence of events. And sometimes I don't exactly know where it's going to go directly. I just have an idea of a a trajectory of how this story is going to be. And the idea just kind of visualizes in my head, like I said it. Other times there are situations where like, like with the tales of Elisa, especially that story started to, you know, um, come to be from childhood and I'm from Oregon. And if you can see the tapestry behind me, it looks kind of elvish and, you know, fantastic. That's the kind of stuff that I have had around me. My, you know, being from Oregon all the time. And when I was a little girl and also being part native American as well, um, Mm -hmm. The forest came alive to me and I just believed in fairies and elves and I was influenced by my, you know, my atmosphere. So in that sense, it was just kind of like I took my imagination from childhood and I continued to build on it. And now I have this, well, I mean, it's a pretty broad worldscape and I have a lot more to work on it, but um, it's probably my biggest uh, masterpiece work yeah. that I have that I've been working consistently the longest. Wow. And now for your first work, how many publishers did you try before you got one? Oh, I was rejected countless times. I think I lost count of how many rejection letters I got or how many agents were like, uh, good luck, but we're not looking for what you have at this time. Um, it was a number of years because I did my first independent publishing or publication in 2013. And mm-hmm. Blushing Books accepted my first book from them, which was Simply Scarlet. Um, I signed the contract December 2015, or no, 2016, and it was actually published by them in February of 2017. Oh, so it took a while. Wow. Yeah. Now, did, uh, well, I guess depending on the publishing house about advances and stuff like that, right? Depends. Yes, it's completely dependent on who you sign with and every house has their own different, you know, submissions requirements and contract structures. Um, Mm -hmm. For blushing advances are not very common. So what I 
basically got was I, I was offered an individual contract for just that book. So okay. some publishers will offer an author like a contract to do exclusive with just them for five or six books or however many books that they want to contract them under. But mm -hmm. my publisher allowed me to remain hybrid, which means that I was both traditionally published and had been self-published independently as well. Wow, that's great. Man. That's really cool. How did you feel the first time that you got your book uh, signed somewhere? Um, it was, I mean, it's a surreal experience. It's kind of imposter sy syndrome is very real. Um, but it's also with the, when I got my first book in my hand and I was like, this is real, it's tangible. And this imprint has, you know, they published it and it's beautiful. And I, I literally have manifested my dream into reality and now I have proof of it and I can take this and sell it to the public and go interact with them and talk about my story. And then it was, you know, that summer that I actually did my first book signing event. So that was really awesome. That was just really great. Yeah. I can imagine that. That must be so, especially, you know, the backstory that you had. Um, it's just, it, it, it's like icing on the cake. Um, what are some of the traps uh, that new writers could probably avoid? I'm sorry, what was that question? What are some of the traps that new writers could avoid? Because, um, you know, there's people watching who um, just you know, things not to do. Um, I think that everybody has their kind of learning experience when you first come in, because when you first come into this world, like and you're a newcomer, you have no idea. Yeah, if you've read some and done some research on things, which I had done and I was even going to school for. And mm -hmm. I think um, one of the biggest things to, to watch for is vanity publishers. Uh, the first people that actually tried to get me was a vanity publisher. And mm -hmm. I got really excited about it when I, I got the first letter of acceptance from these people. But then when I went and I did my research, which is a key thing, definitely do your research on every publisher before you go ahead and commit to any contracts. Um, look into it. If they, if you are looking for a place that will give you reliable uh, houses that are open, I actually found Blushing Books through authorspublish.com. So that's a great place. And also freedomwithwriting.com. Okay. Oh, wow. That's really awesome. So Gina here um, has a question, which I'm, I was going to ask anyway, uh, this particular question. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask it um, just because she's uh, asking, um, how do you figure out um, the world of editing, getting your book published and deal with the online promotion stuff? And how do you promote your book? Those are questions that I was going to get to Gina, but since you asked them, I'm going to take them early. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So, so each one of these is kind of a little bit of a different thing, but they're in similar aspects. So, and getting getting published, I kind of touched on with that, with what I just said, with Freedom With Writing and Authors Publish. So those are good sources. Um, finding places, and on YouTube, there's a ton now of uh, people that have come on to tell you about reliable places. Go to other sources that have actually worked with the companies that you're interested in working with and then mm -hmm. editing and proofreading and formatting there are people that offer all of these services and as soon as you actually kind of step into the writer world they mm -hmm. make themselves known to you and mm -hmm. that's when you you know you have to do your own kind of due diligence and look into who's talking to you and seeing what's being offered 
um, and go look at the reviews and look them up, see what they have out there and who they've helped. I can tell you that um, one really good source is Rebecca Hamilton. She has an author's academy. It's awesome. Okay. She's extremely reliable. I know lots of authors that are making six figures or more because of going to her academy. And there are countless testimonials to support that. Alessandra okay. Torre is another author who also has, um, like she has InkersCon, which is a convention. And she has Alessandra Torre's Inkers, which is kind of like, you know, Rebecca Hamilton's Author Academy. It's a similar kind of class structure. Um, okay. And James Patterson has a master's class now, oh. too. Oh, yeah. I love James. I met him once uh, at the Burns Film Center. That's <laughs> in awesome. West, in New York. Yeah. Long story short. But I was very, um, very lucky. That was the best, I think, sit-in I've ever sat in on uh, and actually got to meet him. So it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, so, okay. So that's uh, one piece of advice. What is the best, um, how do you say, the best investment you ever spent on your writing career? Whether school or class, something, editing class, whatever it is. I think it would be it would be college. Going to college is the thing that I put the most investment into, uh, and and it for me and Full Sail is great. It is a great opportunity for creative writers if you're looking for something like that. All the other things that I just I just mentioned are also great courses, but these are you know different aside. If you don't want to commit to like university level or college level academics, um, and you just want to learn to be able right. to write, those are great sources. However, if you are interested in going the college route, which I was, Full mm -hmm. Sail offers with their, in their creative writing program so much, and they teach you so much, which was why I was able to go out and I felt very informed um, due to how they've structured their program and how much it covers. It covers book writing, it covers film and TV, it, it covers video game writing, um, content writing, a little bit of journalism. It's It covers a lot. Wow. Yeah. They, I, I saw that thing and I was like, this is too good to be true. Uh, so, and, and when I was in it, I liked it. Uh, I just didn't go. I was only, 30, I think they made not even 30 days because of the situation. I was like, oh, I can't finish right now. Uh, so that's why yeah. I didn't go for the master's. That was going for the master's. But one day, who knows, I might actually do it because like you were talking about structure, that's very important for writers to know that are out there. So you, you can write your novel, you can write your poetry, you can write your screenplay, you can write your book, but they're all different things. Yes. Uh, and different rules. And for specifically for film, um, as I learned, <laughs> like you did, that interior, exterior is a very important thing because yes. the camera guy is reading and the people who are going to be shooting that scene, have, there's a language that they use, uh, as, as you kind of pointed to. Um, and if you don't, if you don't, uh, word it correctly according to Hollywood standards, they will just throw it in the garbage. They won't even look at it. So it's important to know what is the language of whatever profession you're, whatever you're writing, with novels or whatever it is, what is the language that they want the, the um, producers, I'm going producers, publishers, uh, that they want to hear. You have to know the language. So that's why for me, classes or school is important, unless you're a really good study. Some people are really good at like YouTube and something and figuring out, oh, I can do that. So those people are fine. If you can save money, why not? But if you can't and you have no clue, but this is something you're dreaming to do, this is what you must do, then do whatever it takes to invest in yourself. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think it's important. Um, what is, what is, you know, what your favorite un, un, unappreciated novel is? Have you ever, do you, is there something that you're like, this does not get enough, enough love? <laughs> 
I feel like, excuse me. So the book that everybody sees first is obviously Simply Scarlet. And I really wish that more people would read Embracing His Empire um, because it's really, it's what I loved writing it. It was one of my favorite stories to write. The heroine is very strong and smart and it, it takes place on a, di- in, you know, on a different planet, but it's right. got all of the elements of a great adventure story and an epic romance. And I feel like it's a little undersung um, compared to Simply Scarlet and The Softer Side of Texas, which are both great books too. They were both enjoyable writer writing experiences, but I guess each story is kind of like a baby. And if I had to say which one of my book babies isn't noticed as much as I'd like it to be, and, you know, is kind of undersung, it would definitely be embracing his empire. Wow. So, yeah, I, I, I got a little clip of that. Um, and where did I put it? Did I just not have it? I had a little clip of it that I love the opening that you have there. Um, uh, the, the girl from, uh, wait, oh gosh, I had it. And remember when you saw me deleting something, that's what I deleted. Cause I was like, you know what? It's more fun for someone to read that little paragraph and come into it and, you know, and say, Oh, wait, let me go. Let's see where this is going to take me to. So, um, unfortunately, Tanya is a bad girl here. Um, are women making a headway in the publishing, um, publishing industry? Cause I know at some point, you know, um, it's hard <laughs> It's hard to find, um, you know, they don't really have too many black women publishers uh, and minority, whatever you want to call it, and all the above. Um, And that's been a thing. So is it getting better or it's not something that absolutely will not stop you regardless? um, Or what's your thoughts on it? I think that for marginalized writers, it's getting a little bit better because they're making, I mean, there's more independent ways for people to come up and there's so many different avenues for you to succeed on the internet, which has made it a great tool on that aspect. I do think, however, with the top five, it's really hard. Um, There are obviously a lot of gatekeeping situations that make it difficult, but if you really want to make it as a writer, and I think all of us that, you know, have kind of found ourselves on the sidelines being like, I'm not going to take no for an answer have learned from, you know, pioneers in the industry who have said that writing is a thing that you can do and you can make happen whether other people like it or not. It's, you know, you just have to keep at it. And if you're good at it and you and you want it and you keep producing and you keep going after the opportunities and saying, I'm here and making yourself available and, and learning about it, you know, you just kind of just have to just take control over your life and say, this is what I'm doing. And nothing that anybody else says or does is going to stop me from the end goal. And I'm already writing anyway. So here it is. And I'm going to keep doing it because if you enjoy doing it and it's what you want, don't let anything get in your way. It will eventually just having the proof in the pudding of all of everything that you create will eventually be so much that people can't not see it. Right. Exactly. Wow. I like that. <laughs> Keep writing no matter what you do. Uh, but I think writers, writers anyway, they can try to hide uh, it just like singers for me or instrumental players or people that that's called to do those things. Um, you can run and hide all you want to, but it always comes back and haunts you. Yes, that is true. Writers, writers like, cause they'll be like, Oh, um, Cy, could you do me a favor? Could you just can you just, um, you know, the church will be like, can you write this for the church bulletin? And then next thing you know, the church bulletin's like, 
happening. It's like, wow, what, what did they write here? It's like, okay, I just need to write that. But so it always falls to me. It always comes out in some way uh, that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And that's why I'm overdoing on this one. So I think follow the dream because artists are special. Writers yeah. are special to me, to me. I, I just think that that's the universe. If you don't believe in God, that's the universe's way of giving us um, or people who are going through hard times or people who are having challenges, whatever those things are, whether it's hearing Jimi Hendrix on the guitar, whether it's reading your writing and, and zoning off to another zone, those things are crucial for human survival. You know, so if you don't do it, I might miss out. <laughs> like literally. That's true. That's how I, that's how I see it. So I don't know. I, I, I don't agree know. With you. I'm such an Aquarian. <laughs> but um what um do you ever read book reviews and uh if you do how do you deal with them if they're good or bad i try to stay away from them now um because i've learned through experience especially since like on goodreads trolls are terrible 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 um but the ones that i feel like have been productive um there are some people that have reviewed me and left like you know some really long great feedback and i, I I've sat back and I've read it and I, you know, take it with a grain of salt. You can't make everybody happy, but at the same time, if somebody's coming to you to give you creative criticism in a constructive way, um, listen to what they have to say, because if it can make you a better writer, that's only bettering yourself. But at the right. same time, don't sit there in the negativity and don't sit there with the people that are, you know, throwing tomatoes and lettuce at you just because, you know, they are looking for somebody to tear down because that's, my mama said it to me perfectly when I got my first really bad review. She said, mm -hmm. you know, people love to throw rocks at things that shine. And mm. you, you understand that. So when you start to shine and you're out there, somebody is, and sometimes, yeah, they're right. Maybe your story does suck in a certain instance. And you have to take that, like I said, with a grain of salt. But don't sit there and simmer in all of the bad feedback don't let it stop you or knock you if you love it and you have the talent and it's what you want keep doing it keep mm. doing it. because for wow. every person that hates it you're going to find four or five people that love it exactly that's what i say yeah now that's a that's a that's a definite i that's for anything in life there's always going to be somebody that likes it and someone who doesn't so um it doesn't matter just do your thing if you i mean we should know at this point in, in the world because of social media because of television everybody should know at this point that you know what you should be able to find your gift whatever that is and and you should be pretty confident that that is a gift from either the maker if you believe in god um like i do or if you don't then the universe you know however you want to word it um, and, and it's all, it's all valuable. It's so valuable, you know? Um, but switching gears, how did you, how did you get into writings, um, screenplays? Cause I know you have something that might be optioned. Um, I don't know if you can talk about it, but how did you sw well, switch gears earlier? <laughs> um, okay. So actually with this particular screenplay that I just finished my first feature film, mm -hmm. I, began this story it's really this this is so great this is the very screenplay that that first professor was like ugh, nobody's ever going to um you know nobody's ever gonna like this and all the negative things that he said and it's called secrets of the day um and it is a female driven um kind of 
mystery, spy, espionage, if you will, um, mm -hmm. story. Uh, and I started writing it in college, like I said, and it didn't get great reviews from the professor. And I was just like, okay, well, you know, later through going back and putting all of, I have several concepts that are actually up on um, a site called Stage 32, which is, oh, I know. yeah, Stage 32 is great. It's a great place to find for networking, for yes. everybody that's in the industry, for film and series of every type of actors, screenplay writers, directors, producers, you name it, they're there. Um, yes. And so I, I got on there and I put up my log lines and they had been up there for a while. They had been up there, I think, since like 2015. And last mm -hmm. spring, um, there was a producer that was on stage 32 who messaged me randomly, sporadically out of the blue. And really? he, yeah. And he says to me, he says, I, I seen all your log lines on here and I'm interested in this specific one. And the one that he asked for wasn't actually secrets of the day. It was one called a vacation of innocence. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I have that. And he goes, well, do you have a, a film treatment or a film synopsis for it? And he didn't ask me if the screenplay was, was fully written. He just asked me for those things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, having gone to college at full cell, I knew what to, you know, support in, and I provided mm -hmm. the documents and, um, I said, yeah. And I gave him the film treatment and the, the film synopsis for that story. And he said, you know, I'm actually kind of interested in this one here, Secret, Secrets of the Day too. Could you go ahead and send me the film treatment and the synopsis and however many pages of the script that you have written on that? Okay. And so I was like, okay. So at this point he's asked me for another of information he's obviously very interested and i had of course looked him up on imdb and went and did my research on him like i said always do your research yes and um so i felt confident from what i seen on his imdb professional profile and the things that i seen um you know in the existing entertainment world that he was legitimate about what he was asking me mm -hmm. so i provided them and he said, you know, I go ahead and send me everything you have for all of the log lines on stage 32. Wow. And I was like, okay. I, I mean, obviously you're really interested. You want to see all my material. Um, okay. And I sent it to him and he goes, okay, I've looked at everything here and I really like secrets of the day the most. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, was like, haha, this is funny. Cause this is the one that I got the worst marks on. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, I'd like to meet with you via zoom to discuss and, you know, what we could do to work further together on you continuing and completing this movie script. And I was like, okay, let's do that. And that was last May. Wow. And I met with them and we sat down and we decided that we would do six page sets. He said, let's go ahead and project to make it a 90 minute movie, um, which will put you between 90 and 120 pages or so. And I said, okay. And um, he said, if you want to do six page sets at a time, that will give us one or two scenes and we will go through them and you go ahead and write them and then send them over to me and I'll look them over and, you know, give me my notes from there. And we started to do that. And then my dad passed away in July. Oh, and, um, yeah. And so I kind of had to take a little bit of a respite, you know, for my grief period and to give my dad his funeral and everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, 
I did that. And he checked in with me a couple of times. And in September, he told me that he was going to be going to the Vienna Film Festival. And he wanted to know if I was ready to start writing a bit more and to check back in after he got back. And mm -hmm. I said that, you know, I would probably, I was getting ready to actually reach out to him to talk about getting back on start track on doing it again. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of worked out that he messaged me first. So I would, I took that as a sign from the universe mm -hmm. from God that um, I needed, you know, to go ahead and keep going. So yeah. I did in and I sent him some more pages and then we got about halfway through and when we got to the halfway point, he was like, you know, you're really doing good here. And I was like, yeah, I know. And he really liked um, the way that, you know, the story arc was moving and, and everything. And then he commented on how great the dialogue was and how engaging it was. And that that really stood out to him that that would make the movie, you know, fun and people would enjoy that. And so I was like, yeah, I really got into the zone with these characters. And from there, what happened, I guess I got into flow state because six pages ended up turning up into 10 page sets. And wow. I did that for like four more rotations. And then when I got to the last two rotations, I was like, you know what? I went from six to 10. Now I'm just going to do 12 pages and 12 pages. And I sent them back to back. I was like, okay, here's this one. And he was like, it's going great. Just continue. It looks mm -hmm. like you know, the end is in sight. And I said, yeah, I just got to bring, you know, the climax in and, and summarize it and everything. And that last 12 pages came together really fast. And oh. you were a beast in with that. <laughs> That's awesome. As the young people would say, wow, that is amazing. So you, so you're working on that uh, whole thing now. Yeah. Last, um, not this last Friday, the Friday before that, I actually met with him again after he had done his read through on the final mm -hmm. script and mm -hmm. I didn't know what he was going to say. I, he just, cause when he messaged me back before he had been giving me notes and everything this time, he's just like, Hey, I want to meet again and let's have a face to face discussion about this whole thing. And when can we do it? Um, the sooner the better. And I was like, well, and so we did it on Friday. And when he got me on there, he, he said, well, what I really need to ask you is do I have permission to send it up the chain? He said, the only thing I have to comment on and the reason why I have to send it up the chain is because this last sequence, it's great. It's awesome, but it's over my intended budget. So I'm going to have to confer with some other studios, but I have a friend and um, he told me his name and I haven't wanted to say his name yet because right. I want to okay. get the feedback back before I say who yeah, it is. Yeah. You don't have to do that. Don't worry. But it, it is somebody affiliated with Top Gun. I can say that. So, uh, and yes, they do know Tom Cruise. I don't know that Tom Cruise will see it, but I mean, it is really cool to say that that's even happening. I mean, that the, the, the person that is, it's going to, which I obviously gave consent permission to, you know, go ahead and share it the chain, um, is an amazing person. And the fact that they alone are actually seeing words that I wrote, a story that I created, it has already just transcended way beyond my wildest dreams like and i can see it happening it's it's a great story i'm really proud of it and i think that it would be entertaining for people i think that sounds fabulous and that and like you said some for someone at that level to be interested is amazing and uh i like stage 32 i i'm a member there too um and i never knew how serious to take it um but you're the third person who told me no take it very seriously yes uh, because, uh, very heard, seriously making things happen for people 
Yes, yes. Even even I uh, I got it because someone told me about one of my actually one of my cousins told me about it to, for pitching something for Netflix. That's how the whole thing started for me. But yeah. um, but I'm happy to hear that you have a real success story because if nothing else, at least someone has verified that you really can write. So that's yes. that's great. That's great. I wish you the best with that. Um, is there any um any more advice you'd like to give uh, viewers? Um, honestly. I think the best advice that I took into play for myself when I decided to dive into this world was it came from Field of Dreams. And mm -hmm. that was if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. um, so really seriously, I know that writing can be a very isolating thing sometimes. But when you get onto places like Stage 32, after you've completed doing your writing and you come out of the writer's cave and you share this and you see how many people respond to what you've created, that's when you get your, you know, your interaction and your socialization and you get to see amazing things happen. So just keep writing, write and take advantage of every opportunity that comes before you to, you know, get involved with any type of writing. And, and what I mean by that is, for example, the one thing that I can say that has really helped me the most was I went into ghostwriting to help supplement what I'm doing. And I have no shame in telling people that. Um, nice. it has helped me a lot and people do ask me, well, how do you separate between, you know, what you do for clients and what you do for yourself? And the, the, the reality is what I create and I put out there branded under Symery, that's mine. That's out there under my credit. And you know, it's me, what I bring to the table when I contract someone with a client and what I create for them, I'm getting paid for that. And I'm agreeing to do a service for them to help them and, I'm getting paid, you know, for my services and for consulting with me and providing the the writing that they need for whatever it is that they need. So don't right. be afraid to, um, you know, take advantage of different writing opportunities, because just because you get started in one avenue doesn't mean that's where you're going to stay. And that one avenue might lead you to meeting the next person that can actually help you on your way. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And how how do people find you? Um, let's say on Instagram. Um, it's author Symery. It's on Instagram. It's at author Symery altogether. Um, uh, I'm on I'm, TikTok Simery. and I'm also on obviously, um, Facebook and stage 32. Uh, if you look me up on Facebook, it's Symery on, um, stage 32. It's also Symery Johnson on hmm. Twitter. It's at lady Cy. Uh, Twitter, Twitter. It's like Twitter. I'm just writing as a talk to the, uh, it's at, Lady Sai, uh, and I keep saying hi. I have one friend with that name, you know, my friend Sai. Uh, it's a guy, though. So when I, I, yeah, I well, yeah. honestly, Sai is my nickname, pin name, my real name. I'm not afraid to tell you my real name either. It's actually Sarah, but okay. it's like if you look at like William and Billy and things like that. Sai is who I identify myself as, and honestly, it's just like a shorter convert version of Sarah. Okay, that's nice. I like that. I love. I love your pen. I love it. Um, Thank you. But um, what else? Uh, what was the last thing? Uh, had something here. Uh, oh, is writing your energy source, or can it be draining? Um, it can be both at times. There are, you know, I go through when I get into flow state and I'm really into it, and it is very like, you know, pumping. And, and it's like, you get really pumped up and you're, you're energetic then. And then there's kind of like a come down period after you're done where you're just like, Oh, okay. My eyes are tired. I've been, you know, 
glued to the screen for hours now and you just kind of have to step back and go for a drive or go outside. And one thing with it being Oregon, especially like I try to take advantage of going outside when there's sun as much as possible because it rains a lot here. <laughs> so, okay. yeah. That's got, that's awesome. Uh, I think, um, writing is the best gift ever given to men and women. <laughs> I wish more people would take advantage of it because it's just a great release. Um, and now I'm, I'm transitioning as well. So it's kind of, awkward when you have to transition and say, I have to turn out work here. Let's see how we're going to make this happen. So uh, you're very inspiring. Um, your story is really extremely inspiring because it makes us have no excuses. We have none, no excuses of, of uh, oh, I, I can't, um, you know, whether you're, even if you're homeless, you can find a piece of paper and a pen. You know what I'm saying? I have been homeless while pushing myself through this. I will say that. And I've, I've been through some hard times, but it was like I said, I, I in the beginning I went to the library, and so I there are resources out there, and if we take advantage of what's what's provided to us, mm -hmm. we can thrive and we can make it. And I I did that. I pulled myself out of you know some dark holes and lifted myself to where I am with just sheer dedication and effort. See, that's that's uh, that's that's the part right there, because uh, uh, I hear people tell excuses all the time. Um, I can't because of this. I can't because of that. I said I know someone that has, you know, triumphed in in some really strange, odd, unusual, horrifying circumstances. There's no excuses. You know, we either do or we don't, and that's it. And everybody has excuse, but I'm hoping that you know they listen to a, a lot of my guests and yourself. And say, you know what? I really don't have one. I mean, writing something as simple as writing, like you said, you can go to the library. I had someone say, well, you know, um, if you know, even if my kids weren't in school, that's where they'd be at a library, mm -hmm. you know. And if I didn't have the best one, then okay, then I'm gonna have to homeschool and figure that out. That you know, there's just you just keep going. You have yeah. to, you yeah. have to, especially when something's um, calling you, like your writing was calling you. And I think you're going to do great things. Um, this Thank is just you. the iceberg, obviously, right? I'm so happy that we we got to meet. Um, and we have your handles. So, guys, if you have any questions, look at Tyler Perry. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yes, you you do want to make movies, correct? Yeah. You do want to make um, yes. more movies? Okay. Um, and people have asked me, what do I see myself doing next? And, and the, the idea is to get into movies and series, if at all possible. That is really where I want to uh, move myself towards. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to stop writing books or that I don't have books in, in the process. I actually have several works and projects. It's, it's the one thing I will say is a writer's job is never finished. And yes. I anticipate that there will probably be things that will be still there that my daughter and we'll have to look into after I have no longer here with everyone and see what to do with after that. But I've asked her and that's one thing I advocate in ghostwriting, you know, VC Andrews family went for a ghostwriter to finish her series. You can do that with my series. If you want to, when I'm gone, I've told her that. So, um, wow. I, I want this to be, well? yeah, I, I want, I want this to be something that my stories, my concepts are, out there for everybody to enjoy that they outlive me. You know what I mean? That's the objective. That's amazing. And that's really why you write because it'll be forever on that page. Yeah. <laughs> I want to inspire, entertain and educate people. Even when I'm not here, I want people to look at my story and go, you know, there was this person that did this and I want to be the, the, the person they look to and they go, because of you, I didn't give up. You know, that's awesome. That was going to be my last question was what do you want readers uh, to take away uh, when they read your work? 
That's amazing. Amazing. That's it right there. I'm just a with a dream and a pen. That's right. And a big dream. I mean, look at JK Rowling as well. I mean, there's yeah. so many great uh, examples of like, wow, how did you do that? Uh, and now look at them. So I'm happy that you're writing and I'm glad that, um, that we'll be able to see your work uh, possibly on screen soon. So I'm excited. And make sure you come back and, and don't forget about us when you when you uh, when your work gets gets up there in the big screen. We'd love to have you back. Um, if yeah, I would love it. to. This has been really really awesome, Tanya. I really appreciate you having me today. You're awesome, and we appreciate you. Um, to my viewers out there, I want to say hello to you guys out there. Emma, Pat, uh, Gina, who's another writer out there. <laughs> Jane, let's get with it. A lot of you, uh, you know who I'm talking to out there, uh, have been saying, yeah, I'm going to write, I'm going to write. And I'm, I've actually held some people's hands and uh, they keep dropping the ball. But you can't make, you know, can leave the horse to water, but you can't make them drink it. Is that what they say? So uh, it's one of those things. If you're like Cy, uh, you'll just do it like Nike, because that's what you have to do. There's no. There's Another no, great uh, thing from Oregon. <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. So thank you um, for, for being our guest um, and hang out with me for one moment while I tell our guests, Hey guys, do me a favor. If you can share um, the video, we appreciate you so much. Um, and thank you for all my new YouTube subscribers. I appreciate you uh, for joining us. Um, I'm trying here. It's, it's a challenge. I'm in another place, as you know. Uh, so sometimes it's a challenge, but, uh, but I'm always up for the challenge. Uh, and I love um, bringing new people uh, like Simon Marie, uh, to the, to the, um, now I say the zoom, I said it's the studio is what I used to say. <laughs> it's awkward. It's like, oh, it's the studio. Yeah. So thank you, uh, for joining us. And I hope you guys will join us next week, uh, again, and please like, and share the video. I appreciate you so much. Um, let me see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. I uh, will see you guys. No comments. just want to make sure before I, you like the, oh, thank you, Ramona. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. So I, nothing there. Okay. We got, we answered the other question with Gina. So that's good. I appreciate you guys. And we will, uh, we will see you next week. Just hang out with me one moment. Okay. Ready? All right, guys.